Chapter 30 of The Way of Perfection. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Anne Boulay. The Way of Perfection by St. Teresa of Avila. Translated by the Reverend John Dalton. Chapter 30 On Those Words of Our Father, Hallowed Be Thy Name. The saint applies them to the prayer of quiet. Let us now consider how our good master goes on with his prayer, and begins to pray to his holy father for us. And what does he ask him? It is proper that we should understand this. Who is there, however stupid he may be, that when he is about to ask something of a great person, considers not beforehand how he should speak to him, that so he may please and not displease him? And does he not also consider what it is necessary he should ask for, and for what purpose he wants what is to be given him, especially if he should ask for any important favor, as our good Jesus taught us to ask? This is a point very worthy of being attended to. Could you not, O my Lord, have in one word included all things, and have said, Give us, Father, that which is expedient for us, since to one who understands all things so well, nothing more seems requisite? O oh, eternal wisdom! Between you and your father this would be sufficient, and so you prayed in the garden. You manifested your will and showed your fear, but you resigned yourself to your father's will. And you know, O oh my Lord, that we are not so resigned as you were to your father, and that it was necessary to ask for particular blessings, that so we might rest upon the consideration, whether what we ask be good for us. If not, we should not ask it. Our nature is such, that unless we receive what we desire, we would not, on account of our free will, accept what God shall give us, because though it may be better for us in the end, yet we never think we shall be rich unless we see ready money in our hands. O Lord, what is the cause why our faith is so benumbed and so dormant, both as regards the one and the other? Hence we neither understand how a certain punishment we shall have, nor how certain a reward. It is therefore proper, daughters, that you should understand what it is you ask for in the Our Father. Take heed, that if the Eternal Father grant your request, you cast it not back in His face. And that you always think very seriously of what you ask, and whether it be good for you. If it be not, do not ask for it, but desire that His Majesty would enlighten you on this point. For we are blind and squeamish, so that we cannot eat those meats which would give us life, but only those which bring death with them, a death so dangerous because eternal. Our good Jesus tells us to say these words, wherein we petition that such a kingdom should come to us, Hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come. Now, daughters, consider the great wisdom of our Master. Here I consider, and it is fit we should understand, what we ask for in praying for this kingdom. As His Majesty sees we should be unable to sanctify, praise, magnify, or glorify this holy name of the Eternal Father, on account of our very poor ability, if His Majesty had not given us the means, by giving us here his kingdom. So our good Jesus has been pleased to join both together. In order then, daughters, 
that we may understand what we ask for, and how necessary it is that we become importunate in our requests, and do all we can to please him who is to grant our petitions. I will tell you here what I understand. If you do not like it, you may meditate on other considerations. And this our master will permit, that so we may in all things submit ourselves to the judgment of the church, as I always do. And even this I will not give you to read, until it has been examined by persons who understand the subject. The chief happiness which seems to me to be in the kingdom of heaven, among many other sources of joy, is this, that there no account is made of any earthly thing. But there is a repose, a glory in the blessed, a rejoicing that all rejoice, a perpetual peace, a great satisfaction in themselves. And this comes to them, because they see all the inhabitants sanctify and praise God, and bless His name, and that none offend Him. All love Him, and the soul herself minds nothing else but to love Him, and she cannot forbear loving Him because she knows Him. And so we should love Him in this world, did we know Him, though not in such perfection and with such steadfastness. But we should love Him in a manner different from what we do now, did we once know him. It seems as if I were going to say, we must be angels, in order to present this petition, and to pray well vocally. This our divine master wishes us to do, since he commands us to make so sublime a request, and doubtless he bids us not ask for things which are impossible. And why should it be impossible for a soul, placed in this land of exile, to arrive at this point, by God's assistance, though not in such perfection as those others do, who are free from this prison of the body, for we are yet at sea, and on a journey. But there are seasons when our Lord places those who are weary of traveling in a state wherein the powers are tranquil, and the soul is quiet, wherein, as it were by signs, He makes them clearly understand how sweet that is, which our Lord gives to those whom He brings to His kingdom. And on those to whom this is given, he bestows certain pledges, that by means of them they may conceive great hope of being enabled to enjoy eternally, what they are only allowed to sip here in this world. If I thought you would not say I was speaking of contemplation, it would in this petition be very proper to say something of the beginning of pure contemplation, which those who are accustomed to it call the prayer of quiet. But, as I have said, I am speaking of vocal prayer, and here it may seem that one does not agree with the other. This I will not endure. I know they do agree. Excuse me in saying so, for I know many persons who pray vocally, and have been advanced by God, without their knowing how, to a high degree of contemplation. Therefore it is that I urge this so much, daughters, in order that you may perform your vocal prayers well. I know a person who could never reach further than vocal prayer, and yet by practicing this, she possessed everything. If she did not pray vocally, her understanding was so distracted that she could not endure it. But would that all of us practice mental prayer so well? In certain paternosters, which she recited on the several mysteries of the Passion, and in some few other prayers also, she continued to pray vocally for two or three hours. She once came to me exceedingly afflicted, because she knew not how to practice mental prayer, neither could she contemplate, but only pray vocally. I asked her what she said, 
and perceived that though she kept to the powder noster, she enjoyed pure contemplation, and God raised her even to the prayer of union. And this clearly appeared in her actions, for she led a very good life, so that I praised our Lord, and even desired to have her vocal prayer. If what I say be true, as it is, you who dislike contemplatives must not suppose you have not contemplation, if you say your vocal prayers as they should be said, and keep a pure conscience. End of chapter 30